Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk. All right. How are you doing online? Okay, good. Good to hear from you guys, too. Uh, well, it is a fun day. As, as Cherise said earlier, uh, a few times a year, usually about four times a year, we do a, a family service. And we get the kids a little more involved in the service, and we keep our elementary age kids in the service with us. And it's just a good time uh, to really remind our little ones that, man, the church is not for you in the future. You are a big part of the church today. And uh, so we're so thankful for our city kids, bridge builders, and just their investment in our children, and uh, excited about uh, how God is working in kids' lives. In fact, today, we have, uh, out of our five baptisms, we have two that are children that want to go public with their faith. And so today's going to be a really special day. Uh, one thing before we dive into Mark chapter 2, and if you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, uh, a lot of people, what they do when they, when they start coming to a, maybe a new church like CityWalk is they think, okay, how do I get involved? Like, like what's my next step? To, to, to take a next step or learn more about the church or get my questions answered. And uh, that what is coming up that you'll want to know about is once a month, we do a thing called Growth Track. And Growth Track is going to take place on the 12th of June. Uh, it's a Saturday morning from 10 to 12. And it's at Growth Track that you're able to ask questions. You're able to learn a little bit more about what the church uh, believes, about how the church works. You'll be able to learn how to grow in your own faith. And so if you haven't taken part of Growth Track, you can sign up right in the app. And uh, you, you can sign up and make sure you sign up in the app. Because last, Ambrose, I'll, I'll let me tell on you a little bit. Uh, this is hilarious to me. So last growth track. We didn't think we had anybody signed up. So we didn't come and do growth track. Well, Rose came to growth track and she, because the church that we rent from has services on Saturday morning, she came into church and thought, wow, this isn't what I expected growth track to be. Uh, but, but she got two church services that weekend. So extra credit. Uh, but so make sure you sign up unless you just want to come to the Seventh-day Adventist service on Saturday morning too and check Growth Track off your list by doing that. That's fine too. Uh, but we want to get you connected and you can learn more about how to do that by going to Growth Track. Uh, one of the fun things about summer, and you know this especially this summer because last summer everything was crazy. But man, I don't know if you felt this, but people, man, are, are starting to come over to people's houses more. And it's just really, really good to connect with people. And if you were to come over to our house, uh, and a lot of you've been to our house, or maybe you'll be over at our house at some point, uh, you would find out really quickly if you were to be at our house or you were to look at my wife's social media what my wife is passionate about. In fact, if you enter our house, you'll learn very quickly what she's passionate about. 
And so here's what you would find out. If you were following her on social media, you would find out that she loves Jesus. So she's pretty passionate about Jesus. She's pretty passionate about podcasts. And so if you need a podcast, my wife, she listens to podcasts all day. And so she'll always be putting stuff up about what she's uh, learning or a good podcast that she's heard. But, but the thing you'll also see on our social media and at our house a lot is you'll see this dog named Opal. And I've told you a little bit about Opal before if you've been to church, but Opal is our Bernadoodle. And my wife... And we joke, but we're not really joking. We think if there, and I think my kid, I think Kate or Julia said this the other day, if there was a fire in our house, mom, would you grab me or the dog first? And honestly, we had to debate for a second. We're like, we're not quite sure. Uh, because my wife, man, she loves her dog, Opal, and she likes kind of our other two dogs, but she loves Opal. And if you're a dog lover or a pet person, you understand Man, you understand that, that passion for a pet, and you understand, man, wanting other people to know how much you love your dog, wanting other people to know why you love your dog. You want them to love your dog as much as you do. And so, man, when, when, when you come over to our house, man, hey, let me introduce you to Opal. I'll look at the cute things she does, because, man, and, and you get it. If you're a pet person, you understand that. Even if you're not a pet person, you understand that in other areas of your life. And here's what I mean. If you go on a vacation that was just out of this world, you come back and you're like, man, you guys got to go to this place. Man, we had such a good time. Man, we got to go there. We got to go back. And, and you're telling your friends, if you went to a great restaurant and you had like the meal, the great meal, you want to you wanna tell people about it and you want them to come and experience it too. If you, man, a new song came out that, man, you really like, you're sharing that. You want other people to experience the, the love you have for that artist or, man, how much you like that music. And, and so we're, we do that a lot. We, when we experience something that we love and have passion for, we want those around us that we love to experience it too. And, and maybe you've even had this in a kind of, with, as you think about faith. Maybe you were at some point in your life, there was somebody in your life that had a, just a love and passion for Jesus, and because they loved Jesus and had a passion for him, man, they wanted you to experience that too. And maybe that's part of your story. They, they led you to come to church, and, and you understand that because, man, they, they loved Jesus so much, and they just wanted you to be near him. They wanted you to experience what they had experienced. And, and honestly, this isn't a new idea. In fact, this same thing has been taking place as it relates to Jesus since he walked the earth. And one of the places that we see this in Scripture is this book that we've been reading, Mark. We've been over the last few weeks and into the next, uh, kind of throughout the summer, we're going to be walking through the book of Mark. And in the book of Mark, you'll see, even today, that people that had a passion for Jesus or people that were, had seen Jesus do something great, they wanted to bring other people around Jesus. They wanted other people to experience what they had experienced. And so Mark, he, he wrote this account of Jesus's life, and, and we feel like he got most of his information from Peter. And Mark, he wrote this account of Jesus's life. And if you read through the whole book, you'll notice that Mark focused a lot on what Jesus did and how he served 
not as much on what he said. In fact, if you had to wrap the whole book into one verse and kind of have a theme verse, you would probably make it this, Mark 10, 45. It says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And early on in Mark's account, from the very beginning, you see Jesus as a servant. You see Jesus just constantly doing for other people. He, in fact, he, he did so many miracles and he cared for people and he taught with, with a power and an authority that other people had not heard to the point where Jesus, it was so crazy from the beginning of his ministry that, that the scriptures say this, it says, Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Because Jesus, what had happened was he was doing these things. He was caring for people in a way they had never seen a religious leader care for people. He was saying things with authority and power that that they just had not experienced. And so, man, people just came and came and they just wouldn't leave him alone. And, And here's why. Because, and people didn't totally understand it yet, but they, but they were starting to see that a relationship with Jesus changes everything. People were beginning to experience this person, Jesus, and they were watching his work in in people's lives. And and they were beginning to, to, some of them follow him and have a relationship with him. And it was changing everything. And so they, they just wanted to bring other people to be a part of it, to experience it. And, and now Jesus, as he's now kind of has to stay outside the city because everywhere he goes, there's just thousands of people that just want to be near him. So after he's out in a desolate place, Mark starts in his kind of the second chapter of his account. He says this, when he entered Capernaum again after some days, so he had been kind of out in desolate places for a while. It says he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was reported that he was at home, probably at, at Peter's home. He was probably kind of, that was kind of maybe headquarters for him. He was staying with Peter. And it says this, verse 2, same thing happened. So many people gathered that there was no room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the word to them. So the same thing happened. Jesus kind of trying to things have been happening. People are following him everywhere he goes. There's just people after people after people. Now, finally, he's been out in the desolate places. He's kind of been quiet, not not being around groups. And now he says, all right, I'm going to kind of go in quietly and go to Peter's house. And he gets there and the word is spread. And I mean, he gets to the house and the house is full. And and he begins to share with them his teaching and, and it's just packed. And it says this in verse 3, they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. And so you you have Jesus and, and he's meant people everywhere. And all of a sudden, he, he, there's these, this group of maybe three or four people, and they have a, a buddy that is, man, he's sick, he's paralyzed. And they're like all these other people. They just want to get their friend to Jesus. 
And so they say, you know what? We'll come back tomorrow. No. They, they can't get to Jesus one way, so they decide, hey, we're, we're going to go up on the roof, and, and most of the houses of this day had, had kind of a side stairway that took them to a flat roof, and, and the roof was made of large clay slabs that were laid over beams, and then they would take, they would take like liquid, uh, some, some type of a liquid sealer clay, and they would pour it on it to kind of seal it up, and so and people would go up there when it was hot, and it was kind of like a, a patio, but upstairs. And so these people, they're like, we, we got to get our friend to Jesus. And we, man, we can't even get in the door. So we're not coming back tomorrow. So they, they literally go up on, the, on, on top of the roof, and they, they start, man, unpacking the roof. They start pulling the thing apart. And, and, and they say, you know, we, we got to get our friend to Jesus. And so they, they pull the roof apart enough to get their kind of a space for them to literally lower their friend on his mat right, right at Jesus' feet. And it says this. I mean, just imagine that. I mean, just we, we put this in like, okay, this is a Bible story. No, this really happened. Like Jesus was literally just talking to this group of people and all of a sudden, the roof starts coming apart, and before you know it, a guy is being lowered down right to where Jesus is. And it says this, seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Super interesting that, that as Jesus saw this guy, it's obvious this guy is paralyzed, he can't move, and Jesus looks at him, and the very first thing he does is he says, Hey, buddy, I, I see your faith. I see you, and I see your, your friends. You guys have faith. And because of your faith, let's talk about the inside before we talk about what's going on on the outside. And he did. He says, Son, your, your sins are forgiven. And, and then it says this, because this was not popular. Like for him to say that, he was making all, I mean, it seems like, oh, just a few words, son, your sins are forgiven. But he was making a very bold statement by making that statement. It says this, but some of the scribes who are kind of like the religious leaders were sitting there. So they were there too. I mean, a lot of people around, but the religious leaders were keeping their eye on Jesus too, because they weren't sure who this guy was, what he was teaching. So they were there. They had seen this guy lowered down. And it says, they were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does he speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So these religious leaders are saying, what, what kind of guy's making a bold statement like this? He just said that he is forgiving this man's sins. The only person that can forgive sins is God. So this Jesus guy is claiming to be God. And that, was, that, that would get you killed back then. That would, that would get you taken outside of the, of the city and stones thrown at you until you no longer were breathing. And Jesus was saying by telling this guy, hey, your sins are forgiven. Jesus was saying to the world, hey, by the way, I am God. Bold statement. But, but these guys, they're in their head, they're not saying it out loud, but they're having this conversation with themselves in their head like, who does he think he is? Thinking, And, and because Jesus is God, he's, he can read their thoughts. So it's like, oh, that stinks. Because you, you see what happens. 
Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? See, this is really good. And some of you, uh, this is going to be good for you to, to maybe be reminded of. Jesus never was intimidated by questions. Maybe you kind of grew up in a religious system that if you brought a question, you maybe were shamed. Jesus, if you read through the the, the passages where Jesus is, Jesus was never intimidated by questions. He welcomed questions. And so these guys are questioning in in, in their hearts and in their mind, and, and he knows what they're saying. And so Jesus, he knew what they were thinking. And so he's like, all right, guys, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's talk about this. And so Jesus does what he does a lot when he's in a conversation and he's making a point. Instead of making a point, he asks a question that helped make his point. He says this, you guys are having all these questions. Well, let me ask you a question. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven Or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. All right, guys, you're kind of struggling with this whole thing of me claiming to be God and and all this stuff. So let me throw this out to you. So what's easier? Would it be easier for me to say to this guy, hey, your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier for me to say to this guy, get up off your mat and walk? Obvious, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because you can't prove that. I can say your sins are forgiven all day, and and only God knows what's going on in your heart. So what would be harder is, at least in their eyes, is telling a guy that's paralyzed, get up, and watching that guy get up and walk away, not paralyzed anymore. And so Jesus throws this this question out, and, and he says this in verse 10. He says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up take your mat and go home. Basically what Jesus is saying is here, I'm going to heal his body physically, which will prove that I have the power to heal him spiritually. I have the power to heal his heart, but I'm going to prove that to you by telling him to get up and walk. And that's what he did. It wasn't a, took him a long time to get up and kind of, no, it says immediately. Immediately he got up. He took the mat and he went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God saying, we have never seen anything like this. I mean, literally their their minds are blown. Like we've heard about this Jesus guy and we've heard rumors, but we literally just saw a guy that we know because small town, this guy's been paralyzed and we just saw this paralyzed guy get up off his mat and walk out in front of us. This is crazy. Who is this guy? We've never experienced this type of power, this type of care. This is something different. And so Jesus, after he's done him, he's kind of like dropped the mic and he's, he's done there. He goes and he takes a walk on the beach. He kind of takes a walk beside the sea that the scripture says in verse 13 and says, Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them. So Jesus is like, it's getting a little stuffy in here. So let's, let's take a walk. And so they're out and 
just kind of walking along the sea. And Jesus, kind of how he did things, if you read through the Gospels, there's a lot of walking and talking with Jesus. There was a lot of learning as we go. And so he's walking along the sea, and he's probably Sea of Galilee, and he's just teaching them as he's walking. And, and as he's walking, there's a guy off to the side that probably as they're walking by, everybody starts to go this way, like, oh, there he is. There's that guy. His name's Matthew. His name Levi and Matthew, same name, same guy. See, see that guy? He's a tax collector. But, but here's the problem. As everybody else was walking away from him, Jesus starts walking towards him like, what are, you, what are you doing, Jesus? You know who that is? It says this in verse 14. Then passing by, he saw Levi, who's Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in his tax office. Tax collectors in the scriptures are the most despised people like you can't get lower than them. Basically what a, a person that like Matthew was is he's a guy that would buy kind of a almost like he would buy a tax collector franchise from Rome. All right, I'm going to take the area around the Sea of Galilee. I'll take the north end of the Sea of Galilee, and, and I'm going to buy the rights from Rome to kind of open up my own tax office. Matthew's a Jew, just like all the people he's going to steal money from. And so he, he sets up his little tax office, and, and it was totally good. Rome was totally good with, hey, here's what you owe us, what you decide to charge people. We don't care. You keep anything above and beyond what you owe us. And so tax collectors were thieves. They were traitors because they were Jewish people stealing from Jewish people to give to the enemy. So this is like, you don't hang out with this guy. This guy is like, he's beyond salvation. Jesus, why are you walking towards him? But it says, Jesus, he's, he's walking by and there's Matthew sitting at the tax office. And here's what he said. Follow me. And he got up and followed him. See, obviously God had been doing something in Matthew's heart up to this point. Matthew had been watching and hearing. And so Jesus, at this moment, he's just walking by and he's just done this miracle. And maybe Matthew saw it. Maybe, I don't know. And he just looks over at Matthew and he says, hey, bud, why don't you leave the tax booth? Why don't you come be one of my disciples? Why don't you come follow me? Just like he asked the guys in Matthew or Mark chapter 1, hey guys, put down your nets. Don't, you don't need to fish right now. Let's, let's go do something else. Why don't you follow me? And so we told Matthew. And so Matthew, man, he's thrilled. And, and just like we talked about earlier, man, when you're excited about something, when something's influenced you greatly, you want your friends to be around that person. So Matthew says, all right. Uh, let's throw a, a, a dinner in Jesus' honor and let's invite all the tax collectors, all the sinners in town. Let, let's all be together and just have a banquet for Jesus. And so that's what he did. And it says this in, in verse 15, while he was reclining, talking about Jesus, while Jesus was reclining at the table in Levi or Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who were following him. When the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat 
with tax collectors and sinners. Why is Jesus hanging out with these people? Religious guys don't hang out with that crowd. That crowd will ruin your reputation. That crowd is not good for you. Why are you doing this? And Jesus is just, man, he's just sitting at the table. And he says he's reclining at the table. They got the game on. They're like, eat whatever. They're eating. They're just hanging out. They're spending time together. They're building relationships. And this is driving the religious leaders nuts. Why would you do this? And then Jesus, of course, he hears them. He hears them. And instead of coming at them and and kind of beating them down with his words, he just shares a well-known proverb that they all knew. And he says this. He says, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus, he was saying, man, I I didn't come for people who believe they have it all together. I I didn't come for people that that think their life's all good and and, and somehow they can work their way into favor with God. I didn't come for all those people. Uh, Jesus saying, man, I, I came for people who understand that they have sinned and their sin has offended God and they cannot have a relationship with God unless someone else intervenes to transform them. That's who I came for. I didn't come for the people that think they have it all together. I came for the people that know they've offended God and they need help to be transformed. That's who I came for. See, whether you grew up in church or maybe you walked away from faith and maybe you're different places in your faith watching online, God, when he put this whole thing together, he put together a plan for us. He put together a plan as a God who knows everything and sees everything, a plan that is good and best for us. He he put together a plan that is the most fulfilling and best, the, the plan that is our best good and also for his glory. He put this plan together. But, but just like Adam and Eve and just like people in, in Jesus' day, we and these people have at some point in our life said, you know what, God, I get that your plan is good, and I get that you think this is the best plan, but I need to help you out a little bit. Because you obviously don't know my situation. And so we've, we've stepped outside of God's plan, and we've said, you know what, Instead of moving into your plan, God, I'm going to move into some other areas. I'm going to try some other things. I'm going to do those because I think they'll make me more happy. They'll make me more fulfilled. And those are the type of people that Jesus came from for. See, we've come to a spot where we've said, just like these people, like, I can find happiness and fulfillment outside of you, God. And so we try. So we try pornography. And our pornography, it offends God. We try worry. We try greed. We try sex out of God's design for marriage that he he laid out for us with Adam and Eve. You know what, God, your your plan is is different than my plan, so I'm going to try this. Uh, You know, we, we try racism. We try, you know, all these different things that, you know what, they're, they're not, they offend God and they're, they're things that are not part of God's plan. But for some reason, we, just like the people of this day, we, we decide, God, your plan's not best. So I'm going to try to gain fulfillment and happiness 
doing it a different way, and it offends God. But, but here's the thing. Our, when we offend God, it shouldn't push us away from God. That shouldn't be like, oh, well, the church is saying that I've sinned or it's offended God. No, like you should lean into that because Jesus is saying, hey, you're actually, if you know you've offended me, you're the person I came for. I came to transform. See, you, you know this. You don't go to the doctor if you're not sick. I mean, you're not like, you know what? We just got some extra money this month and we really like our doctor. So even though we're not sick, we just want to go and hang out with him and pay him some money. Like we don't go to the doctor when we're not sick and we don't go to the doctor and, and want to stay sick. Like we don't go to a doctor sick and say, just coming to hang out with you. But you know, I'm actually hoping that I stay sick. No, we go to the doctor when we're sick and we go to the doctor expecting to be better. And here's another thing. When you go to the doctor, the doctor doesn't look at you and say, what are you doing? You're sick again? You're such an idiot. Yeah, I mean, we don't get shamed by our doctor. Like when we come in and we're sick, we don't get shamed. But, but for some reason in, in religious circles, we've made it that, you know what? I, I can go to the doctor and, and just stay sick. You know what? I, I want some Jesus, but I really want to keep doing what I'm doing. Just doesn't make sense. When we go to the doctor, we expect to get better. When we come to Jesus, he's there to transform us. And just like our doctor doesn't look at us and say, you're back again? You are an idiot. I told you seven times to do this and this, and you didn't do it. Jesus doesn't do that either. He's not sitting there like, you screwed up again? I don't know, dude. You got maybe one or two more chances. No, no, no. He welcomes us. He says, you know what? I, I came. I gave my life for you. I gave my life not so that, that I could be just one thing on your tool belt of many options. I came to be inside you, to transform you from the inside out. And that's what was happening. These tax collectors, these sinners, they were, they were coming and Jesus was welcoming them. He was caring for them. And as they spent time with Jesus, he was transforming them. They weren't staying the same. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, what's, and this is such an important statement that you may disagree with, but I think Jesus becomes more beautiful when we realize how ugly we are. When we realize how much junk is in us, and then we realize what Jesus offers us, he just gets more beautiful when we are willing to admit how ugly we are. And that's what the, man, these tax collectors, you didn't have to convince them. They're like, yeah, we get it. Our life is a mess. We steal. We're greedy. We do all that. But this Jesus guy has the answers. And so we're coming to him. And they began to understand that a relationship with Jesus changes everything. But, but here's the thing. And this is, this is where the religious leaders got into trouble. We won't embrace Jesus until we admit we need him. See, the religious, think about it. Think about these religious leaders that were here near Jesus, saw all the same things, and yet rejected it. Like, you can be close to it all and still spend eternity without God and reject it just like, because you got to need it. You got to admit that you need it. And that's what happened. 
You, you may have grown up and in your upbringing, and I'm not sure kind of how you grew up as far as religion, but you may have grown up thinking that Jesus was kind of the type of person that you didn't really know where you stood with. Kind of somebody that you had to walk on eggshells around, weren't, weren't sure where you stood, you didn't want to interrupt him with your trivial life, and you sure didn't want to make him mad. But then you saw some people, and, and you saw some people, and it seemed like they had a good relationship with him, but, but in the back of your mind, you never thought you lived a good enough life to have what they had. You, maybe you looked, and you're like, oh, I see some people, and they, man, they seem to be happy. They seem to have a relationship with Jesus, but man, my life, I don't, I don't know if I can ever have that. But as you read more through the book of Mark and the other accounts of Jesus's life, you begin to realize that Jesus spent most of his time with people like tax collectors and sinners. He spent most of his time with people that felt like, I don't think I can do it on my own. I don't think I'm good enough. And he said, you're, you're who I came for. You're who I came for. And, and as we begin to kind of move into communion, we do this a few times a year. Maybe you're here and you would say, Chris, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're watching online. I, I've different baggage I have. Maybe you were hurt by the church and you're kind of investigating faith. Here's what I would encourage you. Maybe here, here would be a good response for you. And this is the same thing I said last week. If you're here and you're just kind of investigating and you're at least intrigued by this Jesus, and, and maybe this is a Jesus that, that you didn't experience when, when people that said they followed Jesus hurt you, but I would encourage you to just lean in. Would you do that? Would you just lean in? Would you just over this summer, as we walk through the book of Mark, would you just lean in and, and take a fresh look at Jesus? Maybe you are a follower of Jesus. You've, you've, there's been a time in your life where you realize that, man, yeah, my heart is ugly. Yeah, I've done some things in my life that are offensive to God. I, I admit that. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose from the grave. He paid for my sins. And, and there's been a time in your life where you have started a relationship with Jesus. Let me encourage you to do two things. The first thing is invite others to experience Jesus just like the people in Mark. Man, when Jesus would transform their lives, they couldn't, like you couldn't stop them from going to grab their friends or their sick buddy and like, I got to get you close to Jesus. I've heard people say, and I forget the exact percentage, but it's some ridiculously high percentage that says that, you know what? The reason people don't come to church is because no one invited them. And if someone would invite them, if somebody would just say, hey, would you come to church with me? A lot of people would come. So I invite people to experience Jesus. They don't have to come to church to experience Jesus. But man, if he's transformed you, invite them into conversations where you can share Jesus. Invite them to church where they can hear about Jesus. But then the second thing is this. Live with a heart of gratefulness. Never, never, never forget what your life was like without Jesus. Never forget. Never forget what it felt like to feel hopeless without Jesus. Never, never, never forget and live with gratefulness. 
One of the ways we, we show our gratefulness is we participate in something called communion. And communion is simply something that we do uh, within the church, and it's a, a, a way where we can remember with a heart of gratefulness the sacrifice Jesus made for us. This is a great weekend to do this as we remember the sacrifices of many. This is something that Jesus did right before he died. He had communion with his kind of his followers, his closest followers. And, and it's something we do because he told us to and because he gave us the example of doing it so that we can also remember. And, and if, you, if you have it in just a second, I'll give you a chance to get up and, and go grab one. They're right by the door. We've got some little communion things. But with this little communion thing, there's a, there's a little wafer of bread at the top. And then there's obviously some juice. And the, the wafer of bread, it simply represents Jesus' body. So here in a second, when we take communion and we take part in eating that bread, we're doing that from a spirit of gratefulness for the the broken body that Jesus gave. He gave His body to be broken on the cross for us. The juice represents His blood. The blood that He voluntarily shed to take away our sins. No one made Him do it. He voluntarily, out of His love for us, allowed His body to be broken and shed His blood so that you and I could have a relationship with God. And here at City Walk, the, the two requirements that we have for someone taking communion are the same two things that the Scripture says. The first thing is that you would have a relationship with Jesus. So if there's been a time in your life where you said, hey, I understand that I've offended God, I've sinned, I understand He died and rose from the grave for me, and I, I want a relationship with Him. If, you've, if you have a relationship with God, that's one of the things the Scripture says you want to have before you take communion. The second thing that the Scripture says is before we take communion, we want to give ourselves some time to examine ourselves. And what I mean by that is that just a, a minute or two to just, in the quietness of our heart, just, God, is there anything between me and you right now? that I just need to confess. We just want to take some time and, and just examine ourselves before we take communion. And so if you would just bow your head and close your eyes. If you uh, did not grab a communion uh, th uh, thing when you came in, you can feel free to get up. There's by the two doors, there's communion. And Luke's just going to play quietly in the background. And I just want to give you, as I also myself, I just want to take a minute or two and just examine my heart and I want you to examine your heart and if there's anything between you and God this is your opportunity to just get that right and then I'll come back and we'll participate in communion Grab your wafer. 
1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, says this, The Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Let's remember Christ's broken body as we take the bread. That passage goes on and it says, Paul's writing, it says, in the same way also he took the cup. Do this thing. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember the blood Jesus shed for our sins as we drink the cup. Lord, I thank you for Mark's account of your life. And Lord, I'm so thankful for people all through the ages that have been so excited about their relationship with you. They've been so changed by their relationship with you that they simply wanted to bring others to you so they could experience the same thing. Lord, I thank you. I'm sure many people in this room and those watching online, we have stories of people in our life that loved us enough to bring us to Jesus, to share truth with us. And God, I pray as we move out from here today that we would be people that just don't get over what you've done inside of us. May we always remember it had nothing to do with us. It's not because we're great people or we had anything to offer. It was simply because you loved us so much and you wanted to make a way for us to have a relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that we would never forget the sacrifice. And Lord, as we move out into our vacations and we move out into our jobs and the places that we'll be this week, I pray that we would invite others to experience you as well. In Jesus' name, amen.